Hi, I'm Adewale Adejumo. I build businesses and I also teach people how to take control of their lives. You are listening to the Happy Like Buddha podcast where I'll be bringing you some of the best personal growth mentors and entrepreneurs on the planet and they will be sharing the best ideas on personal growth for mind, body, spirit and work. A word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by dropstore.co.za. If you want to start an online e-commerce business, Dropstore helps you create an online website and it helps you find products from suppliers to sell on your online store, add them to your online store and ship them directly to your customers easily. You will never have to pay upfront for an inventory, which keeps your risks very low. Visit dropstore.co.za to find products or to distribute your products to the thousands of resellers on the platform. Use Dropstore to start and grow your online business today. Welcome to Apple Like Buddha. If you're joining us, it's because you, my friend, have a vision. You have a vision for your life, not as it is, but how it could be. And our goal is to help you to gain the skills from the simple to the seemingly impossible. And the guests that we are bringing on today that are people that I truly believe have the insights and knowledge to help you convert your ideas into concrete reality. And that, and that transformation is what this podcast really is about, which brings me to my next guest. If you've ever thought about ways you can work towards being more ethical in business, then you want to, then you, then you'll want to listen to today's, to today's guest because she has been selected as one of the brightest young minds in South Africa. And she is the current strategic partnership director at the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome Nwabisa Mayema. Nwabisa, welcome to Up Like Buddha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Yeah, man. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be having a discussion with you because you are someone that's, that is that I've seen on different projects and you seem like a very global citizen, you know. Um, back in 2018, you were interviewing me to be a speaker on TEDx. Um, you have your own podcast um, called Rocks Global Podcast. And now... Rocks She Rocks Global. She Rocks Global Podcast. And now you you are in a role at the Branson Institute. You know, as a young South African, how did you learn to think so big? <laughs> that's a that's a really huge question. I thought maybe we'd start with maybe talking about the weather this morning, but <laughs> fine, let's dive in. Um, I don't know if thinking big is something that you learn, as opposed to perhaps maybe just trying to get through each day with a certain sense of being brave. And for me, being brave isn't about avoiding the things that you fear or even sometimes rushing into the things that you fear, but rather being brave is actually having a sense of purpose. And once you have a sense of purpose, that becomes your defining North Star as you go through your day-to-day activities, as you go through what feels like big projects, big ideas, and even big experiments. And so suddenly your fear of failure is almost cushioned and softened by this idea that I still am trying to fulfill my purpose. And so actually my purpose at some point when I started trying to make sense of it became this idea of, I exist to be of service to people, but on a global scale. 
So that means that the ideas around exploring the world, meeting as many people as I can from different circumstances <clears throat> as my own, even in South Africa, for me, that fits into this idea of being global. And so thinking big is actually about just trying to get through with my purpose. You know, that's what I feel that a lot of people actually, actually miss, you know, with, um, with, regards, to, with regards to purpose. Because purpose is always something that is that that is not that is that is that is that is bigger than just yourself. It is your service to people, and that essentially encapsulates everything that you just said now, which is which is that which is that that kind of thinking, literally, is what thinking big is service service to people other than yourself. Absolutely, and I think. Also, what purpose does for me is that it, it's one purpose is not a destination. So it's not like I one day, you know, wake up and say, I have achieved my purpose. I don't think it's something that you can completely achieve. And yet it's something so beautiful to keep chasing for, or at least keep thriving for, striving for, or at least um, keep looking at for inspiration and even for accountability to yourself and maybe to those around you. Um, and at the same time, it liberates you actually, because once you have your sense of purpose, or at least you start defining it, I find that um, I'm willing to actually make mistakes. I'm willing to fail as it were, because it's okay. I'm trying to get to the sense of achieving or at least fulfilling my purpose. And actually the other part is that you get to have fun. I think also when we start talking about purpose, we start imagining these very serious people who are purpose-driven and purpose-led and everything is so serious and so big. Actually, you can also have fun, be joyful, um, spread happiness, spread a sense of vitality to people around you and also receive it. It's this incredible good energy. So I'm I'm a happy Buddha. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for saying that. You know, one key point that you brought up there is that is that doing something purposeful, it's a continuous process of self-mastery. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Self-mastery is not, again, it's not a destination and it's not, and also there's no right or wrong. There's no fail or pass. It's just keep putting one foot forward and just seeing what happens as you get closer or it becomes bigger. Actually, this is the other thing. It becomes bigger as you get, you know, as you think you've reached the next step it gets even bigger. Another step is now unfolded and revealed to you. So it's, it's actually quite interesting. And for me, it, it makes me feel good. How, how did you find your purpose? Ah. <laughs> how did I find my purpose? Um, I think for me, so I process my thoughts by talking. So I think it was learning to let go of my sense of um how do I put it, my sense of how I should go about things. And therefore it means that I need, I started asking a lot of questions. I started having conversations with my peers, with people who've gone before me, with people who actually come behind me and continually asking questions in terms of why do you do what you do? Actually, why do you think I do what I do? Let's talk about this. And so I finally understood, or I'm still learning to understand that to get to a point of articulating your purpose, you keep on asking the question of why. I think maybe through our certain schooling systems, maybe through how we socialize, 
we spend a lot of time thinking about what we spend a lot of time thinking about how and so it's saying those questions are actually quite mundane that feels like very practical technicalities that that will sort itself out depending on your circumstance but actually the big question is why and so also understanding that as you ask why the first why is not enough you've got to ask the next why so why do you do what you do you give an answer to that to yourself then you ask why to that answer and you keep going back to that why and why and why until it just becomes this place where it is so clear and so crystallized and so i remember um at some point i thought i was asking myself about purpose or trying to find my purpose but i was actually asking myself and even in that point i was asking myself a rather um backward question around why which was i was having a moment saying why me and i think i was almost victimizing myself why me why me and eventually the cheeky little response that came back from my knowing was well why not you and so okay then it went back to why me and this time it wasn't victimized but it was rather why me meaning that who am i and why do i exist and therefore that became a very different conversation versus why me why am i in this place um you know in terms of it being a sad conversation and that was far more enlightening around why me why do you exist i exist to connect so i am a natural connector and at the same time i work on my ability to connect others to each other to ideas to opportunities to themselves and so everything so far in the last little while now that i've understood that i exist to connect um has really come back into this place and so yes you alluded to the fact that you and I met in 2018 and I was one of the organizers of TEDx of a TEDx event here in Cape Town South Africa and for me that was an incredible space of connecting people to each other and more importantly of connecting people to ideas worth spreading so that was part of my volunteer life i'm now part of a production team where we are three women who produced the shirox global podcast where you know there's a woman in uruguay there's me in south africa a woman in serbia and suddenly through this medium like yours we're connecting people to each other and to other conversations that are you know about perfectly imperfect women from around the world i sit in the branson center of entrepreneurship south africa where i'm the strategic partnerships director and that's about enabling entrepreneurs and through that enablement it comes from a place of connecting entrepreneurs to you know resources to institutions and to allow for them to really go on and scale their businesses in a way that's good for people planet and profit and so suddenly this becomes my sense check in terms of i exist to connect you know you mentioned the shirox global podcast now what is the what is the vision for you and your partners for that platform Sure. So um, it's quite interesting for us because actually the podcast started off more as a personal project and it continues to be a passion project. Um and so the Shirox Global podcast is really here to showcase what we say is the lives of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. I think as a woman um I cannot deny this idea of having a superhero complex which is I must always be excellent. I must be excellent in my home life. I must be excellent in my professional life. I must be excellent in my relationships. And some of it comes from this idea of perhaps as women we're trying to almost resist or fight back or break down certain barriers that exist, you know, for, you know, around us as women around the world. And so the superhero complex comes through which is at all times you must present yourself as perfect. And that in itself becomes a trap, it becomes this imprisonment. 
And so it's saying, let's have a conversation as women around the world and say, I am perfectly imperfect and that's okay. And I will continue through the world perfectly imperfect. And so that's what we're there to do through the podcast. So uh, can you give me some examples or some of the titles that or topics that you guys discuss in the podcast? Sure. So we've had, um, you know, women come and talk to us about, for example, we had a really, really successful woman who runs a creative agency here in South Africa. And through that conversation, we uncovered and discovered the fact that she's actually the breadwinner in her household. Her, you know, her husband is a house husband. And so first, you know, first glance, you kind of go, oh, that's amazing. That's so progressive. And at the same time, she said, actually, that brings a lot of challenges in my marriage because we have to navigate this way between husband and wife, man and woman, in terms of how do we make sure that he is not demasculated or emasculated by this idea of me being the breadwinner. We don't all obviously like to have a conversation and think that everybody's cool with this kind of setup, but she's like, we're not. And yet as a perfectly imperfect woman, I navigate this way and I exist as a breadwinner in my family. And I exist as a woman who's there to support my husband in his emotional life as the house, house husband. I thought that was really fascinating. We also spoke to a woman who actually is a climate change activist. And normally you kind of think those types of people are going to come with a very sort of well-to-do, um, very nuanced way of looking at the world. She brought in an incredible amount of rage into the conversation. And she spoke <laughs> to us about that. And there was something wonderful about the rage that she brought in, because it's almost like we're not allowed to be angry when we're trying to, you know, save the planet or repair the planet. We're trying to be very nuanced about the conversation. And she spoke about what it means to be a disobedient woman and how she dials into that rage to actually, you know, propel her into a sense of activism and action. And yet, what a huge toll having that rage takes on her mentally and even physically. I thought that was incredible as well to bring that in and you kind of celebrate it, but you also speak about how it actually has attacks on the person. That's actually really incredible because I see on one side where, you know, with the kind of practice that I follow, which is that, you know, which is that we are the ones that actually generate anger. And some people see anger as being a negative thing, whereas my you, my view to that is that anger shouldn't be seen as negative because it depends on how you use anger. It's about knowing the correct way to actually to, to, to actually utilize your anger to achieve a certain result. Sometimes you might even want to want to want, want, I want to act angry to exaggerate a point in order to actually get a result that you actually desire to or to get the outcome that you want from people. So that's actually quite interesting. Absolutely. I mean, I sometimes say to friends that there's nothing that makes me more productive than when I'm having an angry day. I find that when I'm at a point of absolute rage or irritation, I become even more productive. One day we'll unpack what that looks like. But yes, I agree to your point in terms of there actually aren't positive and negative emotions or feelings. These things exist as they are and they exist as part of our human experience. And so every now and again, when we kind of add labels in terms of feeling that type of way is bad, um, I don't think we're being helpful to our actual human experience because those emotions exist for a reason. And so we, I think it's sometimes interesting to think about letting those feelings happen and experiencing them and then moving through them like any form of energy, just let the energy move as opposed to trying to contain it or even cut it off. 
Yeah, I would agree to that. And I'll also just say that, say that it is only when your emotions are stopping you from achieving the things that you want to achieve that you can then say it as, okay, this emotion is, is preventing me from maybe connect to people. This, is, this emotion is preventing me from taking action towards the things that I want to achieve. That's only when I would say, you, you know, against what, um, what, what your, what your, you know, peace, um, kumbaya gurus would say. Against what they'll say, I would say that emotions will be classified as bad. Okay, mm. and yeah, so that's just my own um, little addition to <laughs> to that. But wait, let's jump back to to ethics and business. Okay, mm -hmm. so why do you think that the lack of ethics in business today is seen as a standard? Okay, and it's and it's me talking about the same, which is that it is not personal; it's business. You know, which mm. is usually used to justify a lot of unethical behavior in business. Why do you think that is seen as a standard? Ah, oh, because I think to some degree it works for certain people and it works for the systems that we have at the moment. So it's not so much about businesses being unethical, it's actually speaking about speaking to perhaps the entire system being unethical. So how we describe success, how we describe achievement um, and the indicators attached to those types of things are in themselves corrupted and therefore everything that follows in terms of our actions and our decisions comes out then as corrupted um, and therefore we can start saying things like it's not personal, it's business. It's very personal. Businesses are driven by people and therefore Sorry. it is personal. And so um, the fact that we even make that delineation is in itself speaking to a corrupted and perhaps an ethical system. Now, are we here to break down that entire system? I am but one person, so I'm not going to sit here and rage against the machine. However, I'm going to do my best in my patch of work, um, the earth and in my sphere of influence to function in a way that kind of articulates a different way in which we can go about business. And so we can sit in a place where our businesses can be good for people, they can be good for the planet, they can be good for profit. And so we don't necessarily have to have this weird trade-off between being purpose-led and being profitable, for example. We don't have to feel bad about making money or being successful as long as we're purpose-led <clears throat> and we have positive benefit to people. You know, you know, for a lot of people that do unethical things, I feel like for them, it's because they enjoy the result of whatever it is that they're doing more than they actually enjoy the doing of what it is that they actually are doing. I would like to hear your opinion on this. What is more important, enjoying what you do versus enjoying the result? I think for me, it comes down to enjoying what you do. Um, because it speaks to being present in every single moment, um, as opposed to delaying um, our understanding of why we exist, why we do what we do, even delaying joy, delaying gratification, delaying just outcome. I think being in the moment every single day, even the slightly bad moments, um, it's about being present. And suddenly that's when we can start then interrogating systems. We can start interrogating you know, corrupted systems. We can start interrogating even unethical practices because now we're present. You see, I think a lot of the times we've justified even unethical actions, <clears throat> sorry, 
by this idea of saying, but it will all work out in the end. In the end, it will be good for everyone. So let's just for now, you know, weather the storm in order to get to that outcome. We are nearing the end. And I just want to quickly just um, ask a few of the key, key questions that I had before we started this podcast. And one of them is to find out if you, because, you know, you are a host on the She Rocks podcast. You're part of the, you are at Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. And I know you've been a very passionate person for women empowerment for you know, over the past couple of years. Lately, we've been seeing a lot of women rise to positions of leadership within very massive organizations around the world. I'd like to ask you, do you think there is currently enough being done right now to empower female entrepreneurs in South Africa? No. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? What do you think it's still needs to be done? It's one of those questions where I'm like... <laughs> so I'm going to push back on that question because I think it's very unfair to ask a woman if one, there's enough being done in terms of empowering her status in the world or in her own country because it almost feels like the expectation is that I must now do the work and do the education and do the labor when we can all see that not enough has been done. So I've now reached a point where I'm like, I will no longer explain why things aren't working. I will either then rage against the machine or I will do things my way or I will rise to the top, but I'm no longer doing the work of educating, explaining, justifying. So no, not enough has been done. You know, um, that's a very, that's, that is a very valid answer. One question, you know, like one thing I, like I often see is, is that whenever there's a problem, people usually go and go and say on the governmental level, this needs to be done. Do you think the problem, sorry, do you think the solution is really on a governmental political um, level or do you think it is like, it has to start with individuals themselves? like empowering, empowering themselves as individuals through, through the many resources that is currently available to, to every single person, almost for free all over the internet. Where do you think the empowerment needs to start? I think, I think it's almost, um, it would be short-sighted of us to think that everybody has equal access to resources and therefore everybody has the ability to empower themselves. Um, because that's not true. So I think for me, it actually goes back to looking at systems of power. And so for me, it, it has to step start at the power structures. And so it has, to, and who is at the apex of these power structures? It's generally then older men who tend to be white. And so for as long as those people are not driving the change, the rest of us will continue almost pushing this big rock up the mountain, thinking we're empowering ourselves thinking we're making a difference and we probably are in terms of our spheres of influence but in terms of systemic change it cannot be on the backs of those of us who are also victims of the system or at least trying to figure out how to dismantle the system um that's a lot of work um that's something that maybe as i approach my 40s i'm starting to understand that it's not all on me um and so it's important to rather look at the system itself and say where are the apex structures and how do we influence those? And if necessary, dismantle those as opposed to doing the work from my little patch of earth. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you on that. 
last question before we um, we wrap up. I saw pictures of you with Richard Branson, and and I just like to know if he's if he's awesome in real life. <laughs> he is an absolute rock star. Um, I think it's very interesting to meet somebody who has lived a pretty long life, um, who's also an icon, who understands their iconic status as well, um, and is also fallible. So he will make mistakes and he'll continue to make mistakes, but he'll also do it with a massive smile and um, a huge commitment to purpose-driven, purpose-led businesses, and at the same time, this massive sort of um, hunger and curiosity about the world and so the man is now trying to get to space and i think that's super inspiring at his age um given what he's done in the world you'd think that he'd sit back and yet he's going let's push let's try to go to space let's try and make sure that entrepreneurs are enabled in south africa and around the world and so he is a rock star absolutely absolutely you know the um just two weeks ago i was thinking that if there were five people that i would love to have on the streets that i live on Richard Branson was definitely going to be one of them. Um, Nelson Mandela would also would also be one of them. Robin Sharma would definitely also be one of them. Nwabisa Mayema definitely <laughs> <laughs> is going to be one of them as well. And I'm still deciding on this one. Maybe it's in Puerto you know. Um, <laughs> that was quite a that's, little street. <laughs> <laughs> That's our that's the producer for the I feel like Buddha uh, podcast, by the way, for anyone that's listening to Blue Mr. Media X. Thank you so much for everything that you have done to make sure that this podcast is possible. Okay, in closing, um, um is there anything that you would like, any advice that you'd like to to give to anyone that listens to this with regards to life, with regards to business, ethics, purpose, to close off? Hmm. It's one of those where I'm like, do I even, is it my place to offer advice? And rather it's, I think my wish for myself. And if anybody perhaps takes anything from whatever I wish for myself is my wish for myself is to remain happy. Um, it is to remain true to my purpose. It is to not be so hard on myself. It is to just understand that it is what it is. And everything that I'm doing is really the sum total and the product of my previous thoughts and actions. And therefore, I'm never in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. I love that. And anyone that wants to connect with Mwabisa, because guys, she is the Strategic Partnership Director at the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. So if you're an entrepreneur or if you just want to connect to really amazing people, you can find Nwabisa Mayema as Nwabisa Mayema on Instagram. She's on Facebook. She's on Twitter. She's on LinkedIn. And if you go to the Branson Institute website, we can include a link below. You can also find information like find information about her um, on how to connect with her there. And in and guys, I, I would like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you really enjoyed it, please leave a like and subscribe using the subscribe button below. Thank you and see you on the next episode. Thank you. I'm Adewade Dejumo and this is the Happy Like Buddha podcast. I would love to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, you can find me at 
Adewale Adejumo on Instagram at TheRealWale Adejumo and on Twitter at Wale Adejumo. If you enjoyed that episode, please subscribe to the Epilogue Builder Podcast so that you do not miss new episodes we will release. And I will see you on our next episode.